views expressed on the following program of those of its hosts and participants in no way reflect those of the staff or management of WNRI. Author's Hour. Get the story behind the story. It's all on the Author's Hour. You'll get to hear the authors talking about their books and the journey behind how it all began. Join the opportunity to hear the insights on what inspired them to write it. Now, here is your host, Wayne G. Barber. Good morning, America, and thank you, Roger, for that intro. It is Tuesday morning, 9.05. And you know what that is, another edition of the award-winning Authors Hour radio program. From the station with personality, WNRI.com, 99.9 FM, and since 1954, 1380 AM on the dial. I'd like to personally thank the growing listening population on TuneIn Radio, and including... I got a, a listener right now that's tuned in from Columbia, listening on TuneIn Radio. Hello, Red, coming in loud and clear. Worldwide distribution of our fine programming. Uh, continuing to, uh, today's tradition would be a book called The Empty Kayak. And this is a trilogy so far, and we'll be talking with the author on that. It's a Queen City Crimes novel by Jode Millman. And we're going to get to that in one minute after the words from our following sponsors. Harvest Moon Health Foods, Route 21, Unit 4, Colonial Plaza in Putnam, Connecticut. 860-928-2352. Healthy foods for a healthy lifestyle. Gluten-free products. Over 100 dried herbs, nuts, and seeds. Healthy snacks. Help your body to reinforce its immune response. Hemopathic and herbal allergy relief. We stock quality brand manufacturers, including Against the Grain, Rudy's, Nature's Plus, Batlane's Organic Oils, Food for Life, and so much more. Natural honey and organic coconut sugar, raw milk. Elderberry for flu remedies. Consumer-friendly hours are Monday through Wednesday, 10 to 6 p.m., Thursday to Saturday, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m., and Sundays, 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. Harvest Moon Health Foods, .net, Unit 4, Colonial Plaza, Putnam, Connecticut. 860-928-2352. Proud sponsor of Brian Tag and the number 9 in the late model at Thompson Speedway. And normally, Debbie Horian opens up her fine bookstore at 10 o'clock. But she gave it away today because I can smell that aroma from that Hogan Brothers coffee being brewed right now at Book Lovers Gourmet, your local independent bookstore owned and operated by Debbie Horian since 1995. Best move she ever made was the 72 East Main Street and Webster, another 500 square feet. A full to the brim with new arrivals, slightly read books, children's department, and she's very receptive to local authors, poets, and uh, musicians in artwork. There's always something happening at Book Lovers Gourmet. Debbie Horan does a great job. Give her a call, 508 508- 949-6232, again, featuring Hogan Brothers Coffee, which is also available by the pound by popular demand. What a nice store they have. And also, we got a sale going on also. AuthorsHourBookstore.com. New and slightly read books, 
If you heard our author interview on our Authors Hour every Tuesday at 9 a.m., we will stock it. Call Wayne, WNRI at Yahoo.com for any locator service or a closeout book. Again, it's the new Authors Hour Bookstore.com. Over 700 books on file right now. We can make the arrangement to get it right to your door and also communicate for any request of our library of over 6,000 titles at WayneWNRI at Yahoo.com. Folks, if you or someone you know is celebrating a birthday and you want Wayne to announce it on his program, just send him an email. His address is WayneWNRI at Yahoo.com. Help make that special someone feel like celebrating with a birthday shout-out on WNRI. Thank you, Johnny Ray. Happy birthday today. Mary Jane Craven Sherman. Uh, Mary Ann Shalcross-Smith, state representative, uh, runs a nice child care business. And a good friend of mine, uh, Korean War veteran, I believe, Ron Hani from Chapachet, 76 today. He listens every week on 99.9. As you're coming down 44, the signal comes in on that side of Gloucester, right where his house is. And he says it comes in absolutely clear. WayneWNRIJahoo.com for any PSAs or birthdays. On the line right now, we have our very first guest, uh, an all-star guest, I believe. I'm going through everything that the publicist sent me, and uh, we have a ringer on the line. We're talking (laughs) one, two, three, four, seven awards and praise for the Queen City Crime Series. Joe Day Millman, how are you today? Good, Wayne. How are you? Fantastic. Beautiful August 1st. And the weather is beautiful now. The heat wave is done. The smoke is not getting us from Canada right now. Uh, How about about your neighborhood? Well, right now I'm in New York City, and it's a beautiful day. It's, uh, It's, you know, I was out walking around, and it's sunny and 68 degrees. You can't beat it. Okay, let me give you a little synopsis uh, here on the author. Joday is an acclaimed author of Hooker Avenue, which won the Independent Press Award for Crime Fiction, was a finalist for the Clue and American Fiction Award, and The Midnight Call, which won the Independent Press American Fiction and Independent Publisher Bronze Award for a legal thriller. She's also, in her part-time, she's an attorney, a reviewer, and uh, for booktrip.com, and the host-producer of the Backstage with the Bavarian podcast and creator of the Writer's Law School. Boy, you got a lot on your plate. She lives with her family over in the Hudson Valley, and I want to know if she knows J.F. Cohen. Another writer from that area. And their next installment of her Queen City's crime series. Novels inspired by true crimes in the region she calls home. So what do you do? Do your research and go down to the police files and pick out a juicy subject? Well, you know, it's interesting because the first two books that I wrote, the first one was The Midnight Call. And that was inspired by a crime with which I had a personal connection because it turned out that uh, 10 years after I graduated from high school, one of my high school teachers committed a murder. 
So I knew I knew the victim. Obviously, I knew the killer. I knew the police. I knew the judges. So that inspired me to write that story because I had a personal connection. The second book, Hooker Avenue, which, as you mentioned, I mean, I, I've, I've just been overwhelmed by the awards that it's been nominated for. It's also a finalist for the Silver Fashion Award from Killer Nashville and the Romance Writers. So, I mean, it's really done very, very well. But that one was also inspired by a local crime because I, I was practicing law. And in 1995, my business partner and I bought a building downtown in Poughkeepsie, close to the courthouse. But it had been abandoned, and we bought it at foreclosure. But it came with a problem, and the problem was that it had become a congregating place for sex workers. So we would end up, you know, asking the girls, please, you know, move along, because they were soliciting our clients, and the police weren't doing much. But then we came to discover three years later that a serial killer had been stopping, like, literally outside our door, soliciting these women, taking them back to his house, and and dispatching them. And so that was the, the inspiration for Hook Avenue. And then again, the most recent book, The Empty Kayak, um, a friend of mine had been engaged to the woman who was the killer. Um, and I, I guess he escaped by the skin of his teeth, but that was my um, less direct connection to that crime. But these were, these were crimes that were uh, received international recognition and certainly local recognition and sparked my imagination. What a story and what a way to get source material so fresh and yeah. now the computer age and the microfish age for you doing all your research for all these uh, great stories. Now, uh, are you the first author in your family? Well, actually, no. My father um, was a journalist. He was he was a broadcaster um, on a local radio station, and he wrote a book called Seats New York, and it was a guide to Broadway. And it was it was you know the type of guide where if you wanted to uh, get the best tickets in the house, and seating charts, where to park, how to get cheap and free tickets, and his book became an overnight bestseller with. Uh, Hal Leonard Publishing, which is the largest music publishing company in the world. But unfortunately and tragically, my father passed away shortly before the book was released. Wow. So the publishing company came to me and said, look, um, can you go on tour for us? Can you be his representative? And my family designated me to do it. So we went on to do, I went on, I stepped into his shoes. Yeah. And I promoted the book, and then I went on to uh, do the series. I did a couple of updates of his book. But certainly my father was my inspiration and also paved the way for me to get into publishing. Now, that particular publisher that represented your father, did you continue with them uh, with this series that you have out now? I'm looking at it right now. Uh it looks like it's uh, Photo Credit Evangela, and this is published by Level Best Books. Or did you have to make a pitch yes. to them? Well, you know, it was two different publishing companies. Um, the nonfiction work, my, my uh, Broadway guide, was with Hal Leonard Publishing. Okay. But you see, and I'm sure, I'm sure you know that, uh, that fiction writing is an entirely different animal, as entirely different publishers. So it was, I did have to basically start from scratch. 
I thought that my experience in publishing would give me, you know, uh, you know, a, a, a rung up on the ladder, but it wasn't. I was starting. I was starting from scratch, and it took me, I'd say, almost nine years to get my first book published. My first fiction book published. It was a long, hard road. So that's a lot of submissions. Did you finally yes. decide the only way to go was with an agent and a publicist? Well, you know, I didn't, I never had, well, I had an agent, but then um, she was in a, I mean, I, I could write a story about my life. My agent was in a very serious car crash, so she left the agency. So, again, even though I had an agent somewhere along this process, we didn't get anywhere because of, of her unfortunate circumstances. So, again, I was back at ground zero. So, the, the way that the first book was published was I entered a Twitter pitch contest. And it was, um, it was called hashtag, hashtag pit mad. And what you did was in 144 characters, you described your book and it was sent out into the Twitter sphere and all these publishing companies would then read your tweet and decide if they were interested in you. Well, one called Immortal Works, which was a very small printing press out in Salt Lake City, they contacted me. And they said, look, we like your tweet. Can you send us some pages? So over a period of like three or four months, I was submitting my work to them. And uh, they liked it. And they ended up publishing uh, The Midnight Call originally in 2014. And then when I was writing about, uh, when I was working on Hooker Avenue, and the theme was uh, prostitution and sex workers and murder, that was a little too gritty for them. So I, again, I was back at ground zero. So I went to a conference and I was introduced to Level Best Publishing. They liked my book, they liked my ideas, and so that's where I am right now. So you've learned through this process, which we call creating a book, that you've got to match your printer, your publisher of the book, to your genre, and that basically they specialize in that. Uh, I'm finding that's, that that's, an awful lot now with uh, romance uh, publishers and then other publishers that will not touch romance. And uh, also children's books are, are exploding right now and is getting the, a lot of companies, uh, hybrid companies that are opening up now publishing children's books with a combination of puzzles and games and doing it as a package. So you have to match the publisher to your genre is what you've realized. Yes, and you know, a way for a way for a young writer to do that is to attend a conference yep. that specializes in your particular genre. So for example, I'm a mystery writer and I'm a thriller writer. I would go to those conferences and I would meet the agents and I would meet the publishers. That's really how you have to do it. You're absolutely right. You have to decide what your genre is and literally where your book is going to be on the bookshelf of a store. Yeah. And that's how you determine, you know, the type of publishers that you will make your pitches to. It's, it's a complicated process. It really is. How do you divide up a 24-hour day with the voracious appetite you have for writing? Are you have dedicated hours where you block out the world? Or do you get up at 3 o'clock in the morning and, excuse me, but I've got an idea, and you start pounding the keys? 
Well, you know, I think when you're a writer, your, your mind is always operating 24-7. But I'm not up and writing, you know, like Diana Gabaldon. I'm not up writing midnight till, you know, 5 a.m. I, I treat it as if it's uh, my occupation. So, you know, I'll get up in the morning, do a few of my chores, and then I'll sit down 11 or noon, and I will work till 5 or 6 o'clock at night. I'm very, I try to be very disciplined about it because um, when you're under a contract, you have to produce a manuscript, let's say within a year or 18 months. So you really, you really have to have some kind of schedule in order to do it. So I treat, I really, honestly, I treat it like a full-time job, which it is. It's that and more. So the first one that was released was the Midnight Call? Correct. Okay. Now on the Midnight Call, you've uh, stopped representing your father. You're on your own. You switch gears with a whole new group of people around you. How large was the very first edit on the Midnight Call? Did you do 800 pages and have to cut it down to 240? You know, that's absolutely correct. Because when I was writing the Midnight Call, I really didn't know uh, what the parameters were. I didn't understand that most publishers won't take a book that's over 100,000 words. So when I wrote The Midnight Call, it came in about 135 to 140,000 words. And as I went through it, I realized, oh, my God, I'm writing, uh, you know, the, uh, the encyclopedia here. So I literally had to go back and carve away a quarter, a third to a quarter of the book, which, you know, in the long run, I think made it a much tighter and stronger manuscript. But that's, that's another lesson that I learned, Wayne, because as I've been writing my books, now I know what I need to put in a book so that I'm not writing those extra pages. Right. You know, now when I, when, I, when I finish a book, it comes in at 110, maybe 112,000, and then I know that I can get what I can get rid of. So that is a, a valuable lesson that I learned. I've learned that a lot, too. They're interviewing a lot of the children's authors. Uh, they'll go over that magic number of 40, and the attention span is not there. And if you look at all right. your top-selling children's books, they average the top sellers between 24 and 28 pages. And with the illustrations, that's the attention span you're looking for to, for the sale. A woman, in, right. a, a buyer is in the store and picks it up, and it's 70 to 80 pages, she's going to put that book right back on the shelf. Right. <laughs> and these are the valuable lessons you learn along the way. It, it, well, when I, when I started playing around with writing, I, I wanted to go into middle grade um, fiction. And I wrote, um, it was kind of like a science fiction uh, mystery. And again, it came out to be 135,000 words. And I sent it out to uh, a lot of agents, and they came back and they said, look, you've written a trilogy. You know, you haven't written yep. one book here. So it's really, like you say, it's an important lesson to learn what your, what your word count should be for each genre. Now, being the third book in this series, the Queen City Crime Series, uh, Selling-wise, I can see where if you maintained your email list, you'd almost guarantee a sale on the second book. And then if it's quality, you've already automatically should have pre-sales on your next one coming up, The Empty Kayak. Is that how it's worked in your journey? Yes, it is. Um, you know, 
Uh, yeah, it has. I've been very fortunate. You know, as I as I go through my book tour and talk to people, they will come up to me and say, oh, I, you know, I did the pre-sale on Amazon. You know, I really wanted to find out what happened to Jesse and happened to Detective Ebony Jones. I mean, people are so invested at this point that it's really wonderful for me to, to see that and have people express that to me. And, and it does transfer into sales. You're absolutely right. And it's so much easier when you're at a book signing and have one, two, and three right there. And you have, you know, I'll give you a discount if you go for all three. And it really makes it worthwhile. (laughs) Now, uh, what are some of the interesting questions you have from your readers when you're out on the book uh, trail? Uh, Is there a couple of questions that really stand out to you? People always want to know if I've spoken to the true crime killer. You know, did I interview my high school teacher? Did I interview, um, you know, the uh, the serial killer? Um, and I can honestly say that when I write, I write from the perspective of everybody except the killer. So I don't want to meet the killer and I don't want to get into their head. What I try to do is my other characters give the perspective and they're the ones who give their impressions of that killer. That's a big question that I get. Another question I get is, um, what am I working on next? Everybody wants to know what's, what's happening next. (laughs) I get that all the time. And I imagine Um, you do have another one you're working on, I'll bet. Well, you know, I decided to take the summer off because it's been, I would say since the 2020, um, I've been working nonstop, so I've given myself the summer off, and I'm out, you know, promoting and talking about the empty kayak. And so I'm making little notes about, and I'm starting to do a little bit of research for the next book. And the next book, I think, is going to be a standalone. I think it's going to be a little different than what I've been doing because I want to, I want to uh, uh, use what I've learned in a series, doing something different. Now, I'm a member of what we call ARIA, Association of Rhode Island Authors, and CAPA, a large, large group in Connecticut with 3,000. Are you a member or do you endorse being a member of organizations for the networking opportunities? Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you are a, a crime fiction writer, there's a wonderful one called um, it's International Thriller Writers. Um, and they have they hold Thriller Fest each uh, June, May or June in New York City. They're sisters in crime. And every single state, and even inside the states, they have their own chapters where there's networking events and they have dinners and they're, they're very supportive of, you know, they've got, um, you know, uh, informational threads where you can follow along and they've got newsletters. Uh, there's the Romance Writers of America. I am a big uh, you know, big supporter, Mystery Writers of America. I mean, I belong to all these organizations and attend their events because I want to. I want to have my finger on the pulse of what's going on, and also I want to network with other writers. A lot. I get a lot of emails from around the country. Is it worth a thirty-five dollar yearly fee or a fifty dollar yearly fee to be a member of these? What do I get for the bang for my buck? And I write back or I email right back. Uh, you evidently you're not having success right now trying to do it alone. If it saves you one costly mistake, 
it's worth a lifetime of being a member of it. And uh, the opportunity to market your books. They're handing you these venues on a silver platter. Right. And, and, you know, also, I mean, I think we all need continuing education. And these organizations provide that. They will tell you, you know, for example, in my genre, we talk about um, plot. We talk about structure. We talk about the trends. We talk about weapons, um, you know, and criminal investigation. All these technical things that writers know or need to know for their books, but don't know how to to learn about. They're all right there for you at these conferences or through the newsletters that are provided by these organizations. Great for contacts and education. So basically, it's like any other professional field. The more you put into it, the more you get out of it. And it looks like and seems like you have it right down. Uh, This cover on the empty kayak, I'm looking at, I'm a kayaker. And I look at that floating, and I know <laughs> it's a crime. As soon as I look at that red kayak, I know that's what it's going to be. Somebody's in the water somewhere. And it, it, gets, your, it, it gets your juices flowing right off the bat, which, what you're trying to do with a cover to make somebody pick up the book. And then uh, the first uh, 30 or 40 pages that I've read it, I was already hooked. Right, the hook you have is unbelievable in the first part of it. Where you want, I think this is an excellent beach read right now with the weather we're having. Well, thank you. You know, and there's a little bit of a story behind the cover because my publisher, generally a publisher will send you, you know, three ideas. These are your covers. And I looked at them and I literally cried because none of them portrayed what I was trying to get across. So, as you mentioned, I'm an attorney, and I'd taken, recently taken a class on um, artificial intelligence and was introduced to a program called DALI 2, which is a program where you give it a prompt, and it creates artwork for you. So I said, you know what? I'm going to go. I'm going to play around with this. So I spent about an hour, you know, giving, giving this program prompts, and it gave me, like, hundreds of choices for artwork. And then I kept narrowing it, narrowing it. And finally, I came up with the cover. And I was just, like you, uh, Wayne, I was just blown away by uh, the cover. I really thought that that really encapsulates and symbolizes what I wanted to get across with the manuscript. Okay, I'm trying to make notes here. You said it's D-O-L-L-Y, the number two? It's D-A-L-L-E-2. And it's, it's from OpenAI, which is the same company that makes ChatGBT. Okay. So uh, you can Google Dolly 2 or OpenAI and it'll get you there. And I'm telling you, this, I mean, if you want a unicorn riding the moon, you co- it'll give you pictures. I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable. Really unbelievable. And it's free. I so anybody co- can design their own covers for free. I got a couple of AI ones from uh, Google this past week. And I signed up, I think it was Darb, D-A-R-B, and then I got Chat, G-P. Uh-huh. I, I see the three right. or four of them I've got now that I've signed up. No no fee, no charge or anything. And I'm just dabbling in it now. And the information, it would seem so minute, the question. And I got five pages for an answer. <laughs> it, it, it's so elaborate. It's, it, it's really scary. It really is. It, it is. 
It is scary. And it's, I think that AI should be a tool, but we shouldn't be reading books that are 100% written by AI. I think that's cheating. How are you going to stop the plagiarism on AI? How, how can not. you stop it? Well, you know, the difference, I think, between AI and a human product is that the AI, if you read it, it doesn't have soul. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's regurgitating information that it's really pirated from everybody else. Right. So, I mean, every author has their own style. Everybody, every, every author has their own voice. And I think so far, chat doesn't have a voice. So I'm thinking, you've got the uh, lawyer background. Don't you see a problem with self-publishing? Somebody tempted to AI uses that function to do, say, a third of their book or half of their book. And I wrote this book. And then four months after it's on the market, somebody goes, I wrote those two chapters in this book. Do you see that as a lawyer nightmare? Um, it is. And it's something that the Copyright Office is really struggling with at this point. Because it's... Um, it's you know that's something that I do this program called the Writers Law School, yeah. and that's one of the issues that I'm looking at now: plagiarism and copyright infringement and and illegal piracy of material. It's something that I mean I really think the floodgates are going to open, and it's going to be a legal nightmare. I agree with you 100. percent I'm glad I asked you that because I saw the Writers Law School on that, and I put two to two together. You ever got that education in you? And I wanted to know your foresight of where this is going. And I, I think it's going to be a nightmare. It's going to have to be regulated. Um, I, uh, you know, the, you, can't, you can't have a program like this. I mean, first of all, unfortunately, it's going to be putting a lot of people out of work. And I think that's one of the basis of the uh, Writers Guild strike. You know, that, that the studios are going to be using this to replace them. I think it's also going to happen when you, with newspapers and magazines and a lot of young writers who use this as an entry into the field. Those jobs are not going to exist because we have these programs. So I really, I really think there's a lot of danger in it, uh, an awful lot of danger in it. It's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. But I'd like to thank you for writing this book, The Empty Kayak, and this series. And uh, highly, highly recommended on this end. And uh, you're doing a great job on everything you do. Whatever you come out with, make sure I get a copy of it and uh, we'll get you on on a future show. Or even on the legal aspects of the AI with your vast experience in that. Because I can see that as a, a whole show just by itself as these problems develop in our industry. I'd be happy to do that. want to thank you very much. Joe Day Millman, the name of the book is The Empty Kayak. And I'm sure you've got a large website or a blog. Um, I do. It's www.jody, J-O-D-E, Millman, M-I-L-L-M-A-N.com. And um, I, it's a brand new website. It's got all the information about me and where you can buy the books. And again, that's www.jodie, J-O-D-E, Millman, M-I-L-L-M-A-N.com. And 
Wayne, thanks so much for having me. It's been a lot of fun today. One last question I've got here from Archie from Worcester, Massachusetts. He says, could you ask your guest if she's planning on a New England book signing tour? I would love to do that. I would love to come up there. And if anybody has any suggestions of bookstores in your area, they can go to my website and send me a little note and I will follow through. I love New England. It's only, I live in Poughkeepsie, New York. It's an hour and a half away. Well, that's not far at all. I go up to Lebanon Valley, New York all the time for the races. That's a, that's a stone throw away. <laughs> stone throw. <laughs> Thank you yes, very much exactly. for being our guest today. Thank you. Thanks so much. Okay, bye bye, bye. That concludes the first part of the show. I could have went three hours with that one. It is excellent, excellent material. Uh, let me see here. Transportation and limousine services provided by CJ Trans of Fairbanks. I've got a nice Ford Escape, good, good mileage, and it goes good in snow, too. And, okay, use your imagination now on the radio world. I'm going to move my St. Louis Cardinal hat about six inches so you can visualize my receding hairline prepared by the Worcester Hair Company. What a great job she does. And tomorrow's Wednesday, so that's recipe for a good day. I got a hands up, a heads up on the specials we're going to talk about this week. Cube steak at five eighty nine a pound. I love it. My wife makes a big stir fry with it in the uh, pot. All my pea pods out of the garden and stuff. Beef kebabs at five ninety nine a pound. And tempo meatloaf mix. Try it. It'll give you an altogether different taste to a common item, a meatloaf. Available at Little General Stores. There's one in your neighborhood. or They're all of them are open eight days a week. And uh, let me see, gift cards, money orders, and most locations have a good thing for the summer. Propane exchange, uh, especially on a Sunday when you get that steak on the grill. Little General Stores, there's one in your neighborhood. And it's also that time... You know, with all the acquisitions, there's like one company now owns about 14 newspapers, and they've changed it from the Reader's Choice Awards to the Community Choice Awards for 2023. And I'd like to ask for your vote right now through the nominating process and the regular voting to make W1RI 13, 14 years in a row. Let's keep this streak going as the number one radio station. Yours truly as the number one personality. And we made it real simple for you. I combined all three of my radio shows under one check on the box. Now, while you're on the website at winsocketcall.com slash community, check off 13 or 14 other of your popular businesses in this region. It'll help them on their advertising campaigns and it'll be a good attaboy, a good pat on the back for them too. Thank you very much in advance for the early vote. Sirios is back from vacation and he says, Wayne, he says, play head on a uh, they are looking for one more experienced server, male or female, and one more part-time delivery driver on the weekends at Cereal's Pizza Rama and Restaurant. And today is Tuesday. They got that 15-slice cheese pizza on special today. Sunday dinner for two for $23.99. And a full breakfast starting at 7 in the morning. You got to try that Italian toast. Also, Jim does a lot of catering. And what I like about Jim and Teresa, how they do it, they sit down with you and customize a menu for your event. Maybe it's just a chafing dish of chicken 
or maybe a nice pasta dish with John Orlando's, you know, authentic Italian uh, uh, sauce on it. He may be gone, but they've got that menu right there, that recipe. Uh, there's so many ways that he can customize a catering menu for you, and then it get it delivered promptly to your location at Sirio's Pizza Rama and Restaurant. And 401-568-7187 for a delivery. They haven't lost an order yet. The trailers are being loaded up right now. Staff, it'll be running Friday. Uh, let's see, Waterford, New London's uh, forecast is pretty good for Saturday night. And Northeast race cars and speed uh, will also ship out all of those parts Monday through Friday by 11 o'clock uh, by calling Scotty, the manager of the parts, at 1-800-766-4748. Or they can build you a race car or a race truck right in the he shed at Six Hill Road in Harrisville. Or multitasking Hopkins Auto Brothers, uh, Hopkins Auto Brothers Repair in the front part of the property. Herbie's got that all set up with the best brake job in Northern Rhode Island. And what a model. Get it repaired right the very first time at an affordable price. At Hopkins Brothers Auto Repair. And the local Cox number on that is 401-710-9992. That's race car pot supplier and custom fabrication. Chassis setup. Simpson, MSD, Ignition, Willwood, Moroso, so much more. Maybe you just need a new pair of dice for your classic car or truck or some chrome valve stems. You name it, Mickey Thompson valve covers, they got it all. At Northeast Race Cars and Speed. Our Bassett Wheels, they got all the back orders in last week on that. A whole trailer load, especially the late model wheels. Now, Boroughville Motor Sales and Brian's Auto and Truck Repair... They want me to change up their ad this week because uh, they're sponsoring a second annual motorcycle run sponsored by Peter Druin, the owner of Boroughville Motor Sales and Larry's 24-hour towing, along with Brian's Auto and Truck Repair, all in the one uh, location. And this motorcycle run is going to benefit the Boy Scout Troop 1 in Pascoke and Pack 1 Cub Scouts. Uh, date is going to be August 6th. Our ride begins at the iconic Katie's Tavern up on Route 44, and this year, vehicles are welcome. Check-in is at 9.30 to 10.30, kickstands up at 11, and uh, stops, and uh, there's a notation on this, no colors, please. Okay, they're going to stop at Clydesdale Tavern down in Westerly, and my good friend Stephen Wydell's Pizza is on the route, too. And it's going to end with a complete dinner at the Townsman Club in Maplevale with chicken, pasta, salad, and roll. All for a $20 donation. Raffles, door prizes, you name it. You can get tickets, too, at Boroughville Motors, Katie's Tavern, Champs Liquors in Pascoe, not on Social Street, Christie Liquors, and Pat's Service Station, Norm Patterson is on board, too. It's the second annual motorcycle run. By Boroughville Motor Sales, August 6th. Hope we get some good weather for that. That's a good fundraiser. Who let the dogs out? Who cut the cheesecake? What a name for a business. You'll never forget it. This business is growing so much. I'm calling it a destination business for the tri-state region. It's at that brand new Rotary in Chapachet with over... 20 delicious flavors of your favorite cheesecake. Owner David Silver is really building a nice wholesale part of it, too. 
And if you go up there on the weekend, right at the counter, say hello to Evelyn. She's celebrating one year and five weeks employment. And she knows every customer uh, memorized. Uh, Dave is also doing catering now and birthday parties. And he started a coffee club. Buy 10 cups and the 11th one is free. If you can't make it to Chapachet, you can get these fine products at, uh, let me see here. I got the list. There it is right there on page two. Uh, good stuff. A beef bond, both locations, Rhode Island and Mass. 85 Main, very famous restaurant in the downtown Putnam area. Uh, Willie's Steakhouse and Sushi up in Worcester is now stocking all the products. Uh, the Samba Steak and Sushi Oven Framingham and fine outlets near you. Wholesale and retail. Who cut the cheesecake? I hope he goes on shock, shock that day. I think Barbara would jump right on board. 401-742-9240. Right there at the Chapachet Rotary. Uh, Poets at Lodge has completed all of the poetry this year for 2023 at the Rose Room in Webster, Mass. And they still have a couple of events left at Roselood Park in beautiful Woodstock, Connecticut. This is ready to shine because they've got the uh, facilities, too, to use the bond that they use for venues and weddings. Uh, the next one will be at least four uh, poets and an open mic, too. September 10th, that's Sunday from 2 to 4, and October 8th, Sunday 2 to 4, at beautiful Roseland Park up in Woodstock, Connecticut. Just after the Woodstock Fair, that's always Labor Day weekend. Uh, we've got some... Uh, talk here this morning that we were talking about AI and the Writers Guild of Great Britain has uh, now released their published position on AI, AI as far as uh, the England is concerned about it, Great Britain. I'm going to have to read that when I get home. And authors have filed yet another copyright infringement lawsuit against OpenAI, the parent company of ChatGPT. Maybe that's going to go hand-in-hand hand with that strike out there in uh, Hollywood. Uh, two emails on pricing and yard sales and how do you know your value? Uh, I just inherited a collection. I have no idea what these books are worth. Okay, I do an evaluation service myself. I do not call it a uh, estimate of value. I call it an evaluation service. Uh, it's quite a buyer's market on books right now. There's a lot of reprints out there, and there's a lot of condition of the book. I'm finding that's the biggest misled thing on advertising on all your different avenues of quality, quality collectible books. But you can get a lot of information on Vialibri, V-I-A-L-I-B-R-I dot net. You can become a member if it's a large collection of Rare Book Hub, AdAll.com. Uh, you can also go to your library in the reference section, Guide to Collecting Values, and get the latest copies, uh, how to tell a first edition, and what to look for in that, and how to identify the first edition too. Or another book that's out there, the ABCs of Book Collecting. And there are many, many public, uh, publications out there right at your disposal for that. And if not, Wayne, W-N-R-I, at Yahoo.com. 
We've got the Associate of Rhode Island Authors. Our meeting is going to be coming up here. And that's going to be August 17th. And that's going to be either virtual and Zoom. Or, let me see. Yep, it's back to virtual and Zoom. We had that little flare-up on the virus here in the area. Our current membership uh, looks like 432 now. And a reminder, if you're back on your dues and renewals, you have to be a current member to attend all of our organized events. Uh, also, we had our Treasury's Port Command, the lively literati down on Main Street in East Greenwich. Guys, adding that up. Our Rhode Island Authors Expo is moving right along. It's going to be the first Saturday of December at the Roads on the Patuxet in Warwick, Rhode Island. No, it's changed. It's going to be at the Crown Plaza in Warwick, Rhode Island. Okay, that's going to be another year there. Uh, the Big E is coming up in Springfield, Massachusetts. And yes, we do have a signed contract to supply authors by lottery from our group at the Rhode Island building. Be prepared. 80 to 100,000 people go through that building on a good day. You've got to be prepared. Uh, and talk to other members of the group that have done it in the past to get a lot of helpful hints on that. The anthology, our seventh one in a row now. Martha is already accepting uh, uh, submissions on that anonymously. Uh, the Story Festival of Incitra was a total success in June. Uh, the Narragansett Brewery event that we did, uh, Thinking Outside the Box, all of our authors sold out. That was July 13th down in Narragansett Brewery. Uh, the Wakefield River Fires was a total success, and we're going to go back there August 17th. We're thinking outside the box there, selling some books there. Uh, let's see, Wakefield River Fires, again, August 17th. Uh, Barrington Markets, uh, the Situate uh, Farmer's Market on Saturday morning. Uh, Boroughville Arts and Crafts Festival. We talked about the Big E. Uh, August 12th, oh, this is a big one that's really growing. And some of our authors really do good on rainy days. People were looking for cover over at the Loof Festival at uh, Crescent Park overlooking Narragansett Bay. Uh, we'll have a bunch of authors down there in Authors Row on August 12th, along with the Exeter Fall Festival coming up September 23rd. Mark your calendar or go on to aria.com or on Facebook for all of the events. It's the best investment you can do is join one of your statewide groups for the networking. It's just so, so invaluable. As you know, we've played uh, a tape that I have, An Ode We Owe, by uh, my friend uh, Amanda Gorman. And that, she read that to the United Nations. And now I got a, a copy here from the Associated Press, and this is documented. Amanda Gorman's poem has been banned by Florida schools. What is happening to this world? At 17 years old, she became the country's national youth poet laureate when she wrote the poem so all young people could see themselves in an historical moment. I have listened to this over and over again. And her poem, The Hill We Climb, has been challenged by a group of parents of two students in Miami Lakes, along with others, several other books. And she's just totally devastated, and she's going to fight this with all her ammunition on this. The world is getting crazy. 
She is one of the brightest talents in poetry I have ever listened to. From inaugurations to the United Nations to a three-book deal at a million dollars a pop, she knows how to write, right from the heart. But that's the type of world we live in. Uh, we also, I've got a guide here, too. Oh, and we got a lot of comments, too, on last week's uh, editorial we did on my good friend Jeanette Winters, a romance writer from Winsaka, Rhode Island, releasing her 75th book. And she started writing at 55. Boy, she is a machine, a marketing genius, and Jeanette Winters, hats off again. But I got some nice, nice compliments on the emails for talking about another local Rhode Island author who's made it big. And you just got to put some effort into it in any business that you're in. Okay, I'm getting the last three emails, one from New York, one from Arizona, and one from Las Vegas, on how to sell my book. It's been out six months. I thought I'd be able to give up my day job. Things are not looking good. I ordered 500 books pre-published, you know, just in time. They're sitting in my parlor, and every time I look at them, I'm crying because I think I'm doing something wrong. Okay, business 101 in our book business. What sells a book? It starts with you, your creativity, your energy, your gumption, your endurance, and most important of all, passion. You've got to love what you're doing. You're not going to retire on your first book. It just doesn't happen that way. It continues with your readers, their desires, their needs, and their curiosity. Are you writing about popular subject matters? Look at your competition of the genre that you're in. What's selling? How long is that book? We discussed that today. The length of the genre of your book is so important. Maybe you need a cover change. Do you have that right being self-publishing? Change the cover if it's not working. Spend a little money. Have a professional do it on your cover. Get that hook changed on the first uh, five, or ten, uh, five or ten pages of the book. Go to where your potential customers are circulating. Think outside the box. I have sold more books at farmer's markets in the Rhode Island area because people are looking for Rhode Island items. And they have the cash in their right pocket. You can see the bulge. So while they're getting their tomatoes, hey, how about a good beet treat? And now that's where your salesmanship comes in. Try multiple different ways to unpack them. Pushing them multiple times on each venue especially if you have more than one book. You've got to make the effort. Customize your pitch to appeal to a targeted market. If you're writing about fishing, go to a fish and game association. Get into those uh, type of uh, uh, yearly shows that they have in the winter, the expos, a great place to put up a book stand. Uh, I friend, friend of mine wrote a book on gambling, and he went up to the one at casinos. They liked the idea, 
and he paid a fee and set up a table, and he sold a book on gambling in a casino, and he sold out. Think outside the box. Did you price your book right? Think about that now. If you're selling a lot of books at $14.95, why make the second book get greedy at $24.95 and have your sales come to a halt? See what the market will bear. You know what the book is going to cost you up front and work on your, you're better off selling a lot of books at a smaller profit. Keep that flow going, especially for the second book. Keep doing what works until it doesn't. Experiment and take risk while remaining highly optimistic. And then again, we discussed it with another author today. Utilize your network of contacts to help you. Another author in the same group. You don't have to sit on the side of him at the next table and copycat all he's doing. Just ask him generally, what's working for you, what's not? What are some of the big mistakes that you made when you started? A lot of people will share a lot of that valuable information. And uh, there is many, many posts out there that you can do on AI. How do authors spend their time? What are the authors willing to do? Make some headlines. Get some press releases out. Go to the libraries. Go to the bookstores. Don't be afraid. Don't be intimidated. You've got to ask for their business and fight for it. A lot of them are all consignments. Uh, 60-40, 65-35. Five copies, the end of the six months, if they don't sell, what do you do with the books? Every bookstore has their own program. Don't have a publicist or a seller do it for you or the warehouses. Do it yourself. Get a game plan a couple of days a week and hit five different bookstores. You're going to get a valuable education in each one of them also. Another quality quick reference on pricing is Alibris. And another one is Abe Books. I use them all the time. There's many, many sources out there for you. Congratulations, one of our new sponsors, Wagnolia Pet Grooming. She just did a fundraiser and raised $400 for the North Smithfield Animal Shelter. Wagnolia has a clean dog, is a happy dog. And also a reminder, when you're bringing your family member in for grooming, to have it vaccinated ahead of time. It wouldn't hurt if you were too. And they're located at the Chamberlain Financial Building at 601 Great Road in North Smithfield. She's taking reservations right now and appointments and looking for help, too. She's really expanded. She's up to three girls and wants to add on at least one more by the popularity of her new business. 401-999-2440. Wagnolia Pet Grooming. Treat your family member like one of her own. 401-999-2440. Mr. Z's is open right now, too, and what a business they are doing. Used to be the Pats Lakeside up on uh, Route 44 overlooking beautiful, beautiful Bowdish Reservoir. A lot of boat traffic now. So as you're going to Connecticut or coming back, stop by the new Mr. Z's restaurant. And they're open seven days a week now instead of six at 11 o'clock. And they do have a takeout or for making reservations at 401-239-3800. On Tuesdays, they have 10 different tacos. And what a pastry bar. 
What time we got here? We got 9.58, just enough time for the last commercial of the day. Are you looking for some authentic Mexican food? Not a wannabe, not a knockoff. You enter this building on the front door or the side door and you feel like you're crossing the border. Authentic Mexican food at Casa Burritos. Now, they share the building with about three other businesses, so you got to look for it. It's 114 Main Street and Blackstone, Massachusetts. They open at 11 o'clock, seven days a week. They've now added on a delivery service. They've added on a Mexican catering available. And Felix says, Wayne, let's have a luncheon special. Monday through Friday from 11.30 to 2 o'clock, he changes the menu every day. And Felix will greet you right at the door at Casa Burrito, a guaranteed authentic Mexican food. 508-928-0904. And I think I got an outro right here, too. Is an intro, and there is an outro. Thank you to our fine sponsors, guests, and emailers at waynewnri at yahoo.com and for tuning in to the Author's Hour. Remember to shop locally and to read a book. And tomorrow, please have the best day of your life. Your host, Wayne G. Barber.